Here's a place where all of us can be safe. Our stories of transformation can be safe, and all the things we want to research are safe here. This is Safe Space with Cheyenne. I'm really excited you're here, and I hope you stick around for a while, because I've got a lot to show you before I leave Earth. I love you guys. Hello, welcome back to your safe space. Today I have Jean Sullivan Belecci. She is a soulmate coach, a published, a published author. Excuse me. <clears throat> I got a frog in my frog in my throat. She's a published <laughs> author. And she's come on today to be extremely transparent and authentic about not only her dating journey, but to jump ahead before I even introduce her, she was putting something out into the universe because she was really scared to put herself on the line fully, which a lot of us are in love, which is why I'm really excited to get in the story with all of you. But through her trials and tribulations of the dating scene on and off, she found an extreme passion to help people really light that fire back inside themselves. So I really wanted to bring Jean on today to not only discuss her story, but also her book and her program and see if there's anybody out there that could just, you know, maybe need a little help being the soulmate that you've been wanting to attract the whole time. So Jean, thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. I've been looking forward to this. I have too. And uh, for anybody that's on YouTube or checking out the video, you can obviously see the beautiful throne that Jean is sitting in. I think we're all supremely envious of it and your background. I think it's amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. I think you need one as well. I really do. Yes. I will show my husband the video and be like, honey, every queen needs a throne. it your way. I yes. mean, doesn't like mine it can be in the material colors you like oh man we could just go down a rabbit hole of what I would want mine to look like yours is stunning thank you okay so where to even begin with this journey I guess first off let's talk about what you do as a soulmate coach before we <laughs> track back into how you even came into this business so I am a dating and relationship coach. And what I do is the reason I call myself the soulmate coach is that I really help people become from a law of attraction perspective, become the soulmate they want to attract. And what I mean by that is most people who come to me are highly empathic, high achievers, often both. And they are used to um, making things happen by being needed, um, making things happen. And it just doesn't work that way in love. And they usually attract people who are, let's just say, rescue projects, narcissists, you know, people who are really kind of taking advantage of their, you know, support and their love and their empathy and all the hard work they put into the relationship. And so when they tell me they think that nobody's out there to be their partner, I have to explain that they are all out there. But you have to believe they're out there. and You have to release your limiting beliefs and raise your vibration. Live your best life so people of that vibration will just manifest and be attracted to you. So it's really about when I say be the soulmate you want to attract, it's helping people to release their resistance, clarify their vision, identify their needs and boundaries, really own them, um, 
fly their freak flag a little bit, be really unapologetically authentic because that's their secret sauce to attracting the right people. And so that's what I do, basically. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes total sense. And there's a couple questions that popped up while you're talking, but I didn't want to disassociate from what you're trying to tell me. So the first thing that popped up into my mind, especially when you talked about the people just being, you know, completely disheartened in love, which Mm -hmm. it's really insane for people to push energy out of the way when there's like 9 billion people on the planet and we have what Time Magazine would call a loneliness epidemic when we're also Mm -hmm. like so technologically advanced. So I really would, I really would wonder like as somebody who's going through those issues, if I'm living in the past of the like traumas from my own relationships and unconsciously bringing them in to, to my future, even though I'm like, oh, I want this, I want this. But then I spend most of my day just cycling about this jackass, you know, that like robbed five years of my life or however it is, you know. Um, but do you find when you meet these people that actually come to you, that is that something that you recognize immediately that they're always unconsciously clinging to something that happened they oh, haven't yeah. figured out how to let it go or they were never the problem like they were you know a queen and the guy was just trash it's the prior mm-hmm. definitely it's um they all, i have to remind them they're queens and kings is really what it's about and for some reason, and it's usually the ones who, who are don't know they need help at first because they've done a lot of work on themselves, and so they don't realize they're still carrying um, old pain, old beliefs, old attachments mm-hmm. that are really keeping them stuck on a dating, a literal dating hamster wheel. They just can't get out of it. And a big piece of what I do is helping them to see that that's what's causing it, And that it's not the crap apps, it's not the crap people out there, it's that they are still in this dating hamster wheel of limiting beliefs, shame, stuff that may not be present in the other parts of their life. They may have this great career like I did and great enviable circle of friends like I did, but then in love, they're showing up in a very different way. There are a lot of reasons for that, but it's very clear to me when I see what they're manifesting, what they believe. And so I have to help them change their mind about what's possible for them first and forgive themselves. And then from there, then we can rebuild and help them remember they're a king or a queen. I love your work, but I'm so curious of the path that led you into this business in the first place. Do you want to open up to us about how you, you know, became the queen of this rabbit hole of soulmate attraction and diverting you back to yourself so you can quit attracting crappy partners. It is really astonishing. I I was talking with Todd, my husband, the other day. I said, could you imagine? Some picture came up of our honeymoon. That's what it was. I said, could you imagine? Could you have predicted we would be where we are back then? No. I mean, it's just amazing how you follow your intuition and you just 
things that you never thought would happen just happen with ease. And it's pretty amazing. Well, first, first and foremost, I should mention when I was single, I was the typical high achiever, highly empathic, always did all the work in relationships, was always the boss, was always the caretaker. So I was kind of like the nurse in the purse (laughs) in relationships. And I didn't see, because consciously I was thinking to myself, I want a partner. I'm just tired of this. I'm tired of being the boss. I'm tired of this, that. But yet I kept choosing those kinds of relationships and I had to own that. What was it within me that kept choosing those men? And after the breakup with the last one, um, who told me he was riding my coattails. Um, yeah, he would tell me that frequently. And, you know, he was also ashamed of my weight. I had gained some weight when I was with him and, um, you know, lots of other things. The bottom line was he, he and I were not compatible, but I kept pursuing guys who couldn't make me happy. And so I had to really take a look when we broke up. Finally, I, I had to take a look at that. Why was I pursuing men who I don't even feel good with? And I had to recognize that there were some limiting beliefs within me, partly because of my weight. I was um, 300 pounds at the time. I was in my mid-40s, and I had a very large personality. I was too much, according to some. And I just didn't deep down believe I could find someone who would love me the way I was and be in their power beside me. I felt like I had to earn their love by being the doer and taking care of everything. And there was always this sense of earning love, but it wasn't, it wasn't real because if you're giving and doing all those things to people, please, It's really just trying to earn love, and that's just not the way love works. So I took two years off, and I worked on myself and having a better relationship with myself and my value in this area of my life. And I studied with dating and relationship masters. I did coaching. I did therapy. I traveled the world by myself. I opened a a, business, which had been scaring the crap out of me for a decade. And I just stepped into my sovereignty is really the best way I can say it. I just finally, after two years, I got into a place of really loving myself. I took belly dancing, I should say, and felt more comfortable and powerful and beautiful in my body, my bigger body. And I was able to show up in dating in a new, powerful Um, delicious way that really was unapologetically authentic. This is who I am. This is what I want. And um, I, when I put my dating profile out there, um, I was kind of like an accidental cougar. I was just this energy of fun and deliciousness was attracting only young guys. And I realized, okay, something's off with my branding because I want a husband. I want my, my partner. I've, I've had enough. I've waited long enough. I feel him. I sense him, but I don't know where is he. And so I said, I need to change my profile. I realized I had written it from a lack mindset. 
even though I had done all this work, I had was putting an easy breezy version of myself out there. Vanilla instead of Rocky Road. It's and so, so many people do that. I think that's one of my favorite parts of your stories is they're like, you know, when we're at home and we're like in our own little world dancing in front of the mirror, just like, ah, yeah. And then when you go out into the world, you're like, oh, you know, it's always like you're scared to fully come out into the light. So I think it's powerful that you recognize that even after you did all of that work, because I do think in any format of self-help or therapy or whatever, there's a misconception that if you do this, then you're automatically going to wake up and know how to put yourself out there. And that's not mm-hmm. true. And yours is such a great example because you're like, I still watered myself down after I did all of these things telling me mm-hmm. not to water myself down, not to feel mm-hmm. like, you know, my body is shameful because I'm bigger and taking your power back. And like you said, like sprinkling, you know, your little extras or your little <laughs> kinks on it and being like, yeah, this is what I like. And yeah, I'm going to put it out there because I don't really want to sit here and have to explain to somebody I'm Neapolitan and you're vanilla. That just means we're not compatible and there's somebody else out there for you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I wasn't even conscious I was doing it, you know, but, it, but when I was, I actually asked these young guys, what brought them my way and I wasn't judging them. I was really just like, I, what, what brought you my way? And I realized when they were answering me, it was because they were attracted to my, you know, I was definitely projecting my true vivaciousness and, you know, playfulness and self-love, but I was not honest about, cause I didn't want to appear needy. Um, I, I was not honest that uh, marriage was my agenda uh, I, I left out things like, uh, I really love to go to drag shows frequently and a lot of guys are not going to be able to handle that. Now, remember this is before a drag race was a big hit mm-hmm. and you know, now there's a lot more, I mean, I know there's a movement <laughs> for people not to do drag, but essentially it's much more widely accepted. But back then, um, if I would bring it up on a date, you know, guys would shut down very frequently. And I think I bet that scarcity came back in and I just realized, I just said, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't pretend I can't waste my energy on any more dates where I'm hoping that they'll be so enamored with the rest of me that they'll put up with those kinds of things. And it's, it's common sense. You, you would think everybody would follow, but we're just not trained to do that. We're trained to not be too picky and also to dial it down and just let people get used to you before you show the real you. That's what we're really given the message to do. But because I came from a marketing background and I think in terms of branding, I just realized my brand was unauthentic and that honestly, I'm not Coca-Cola. I'm not trying to appeal to everyone. I need to speak just to my niche, even if it's like five people on the planet I'm speaking to. I just need to speak to them and let the universe bring them to me. And so I rewrote my profile. I leaned into everything. (laughs) And I just really put it out there, knowing I would scare a lot of guys away. But it was okay. I realized suddenly that that's okay. That's, that's just going to save me some hard energy and time. 
And my husband, and not only my husband appeared the next day, but several other men who were all in alignment with the values I was talking about, my age, they all were looking for marriage ultimately. And they all said, I'd take you to a drag show. I have no problem with that, (laughs) you know? So I guess the moral of the story is it really, that's really what my what my husband said attracted him to me was just how delicious and vibrant and real I was. Like I really painted a clear picture about who I was and what life with me would be like. And it, he really felt like this is finally the one I've been waiting for. What a great story. There's so many things I want to interject about because ugh, it's just so relatable. And I'm married now, so I am going to speak from my dating octave, mm-hmm. you know, that I am not anymore. I'm getting ready to celebrate my five-year anniversary. and Ooh, congratulations. Thank you so much. And my husband and I were just sitting and talking the other day about, you know, how different our life is. And same like you were like, I had no idea that it would ever be like this. And it started simply with just... Um, I have two dogs and one of them we got within like the first year that we were together. And I looked down at Jack's one day and I said, do you remember the day that I said, I, I just really need a dog. Like I've always had a dog. I, we have to get a dog. And you looked at me and you said, I need you to understand that when we get this dog, it will be you, me and the dog, you and me alone, it will be over. And it'll never be like that again because Then after the dog, maybe comes another dog, maybe comes a child, maybe comes three kids. He's like, so before we commit to having this dog, I really want you to understand what you're giving up as far as it just being us two focusing on each other. And I was like, I do get me the fricking dog. So, (laughs) (laughs) So we kind of like, I think we had like a two hour conversation the other night where we were just talking about like the values that we had at the time, what we were putting our energy and attention to at the time based on where we were in our lives. Um, We were referencing people that, you know, obviously because they're still in their 20s or early, earlier years, they're like, they want to stay out till like two or three in the morning or they get off work and they go and get dressed again and then they go out in the world to bars or friends' houses or all of these things. And It was in that moment that I realized that I was no longer connected with that part of myself anymore, that I had, I have truly been domesticated is what I think. I enjoy, I enjoy my role as a mother. I enjoy my role as a wife. I I enjoy, you know, the healing, self-love, finding my self path and then sharing it with other people. But then as I'm talking to you and I was thinking about, you know, all of the comparisons that I have with my exes and what I was attracting. Cause I feel extremely lucky to attract the man that I have. Like everybody has their problems and their ups and downs and sometimes just wants to do this. Um, but at the end of the day, like when I tune into the gratitude, I'm like, man, like you have treated me better and kinder and been more patient with me than anybody I've ever been with my life. And I wondered from speaking from an energy standpoint, like what had actually shifted in me where I was able to attract somebody like that into my life because before it was the project it was the fixer it was the anxious attachment 
Um, it was the almost the validation. Conditional love is kind of what I think because I really love talking about conditional love versus unconditional love. And I mm-hmm. know when a lot of us are growing up, whether our, our parents or providers realize it or not, that we are kind of taught conditional love through disciplinary actions. Whether it's, hey, you know, I'm going to treat you this way if you do this good. If you're not bad, I'm pulling this love away. And as soon as you are good again, I'm going to give it back. And again, I really do think it's extremely unconscious from, let's just say, generational trauma. So I realized through no fault of anybody, um, I was really used to conditional love and kind of like proving myself. And just like you, Mm -hmm. I was also too much. I was dramatic. I was theatrical. I was rebellious. I was bitchy. I rolled my eyes. I wouldn't listen. I would be really good. (laughs) Then I would be really bad. Like just back and forth all the time. So for anybody listening that is still caught in this cycle or even now as they listen to this conversation they're like retrospecting where they're like oh my gosh all of my exes do have this common thread of i'm continuously attracting this into myself like what Mm -hmm. do you say to them to get them to realize that it really is in their power to break that cycle within them Mm -hmm. to attract a higher soulmate yes so one of the things to realize is to first recognize the pattern, to see the common threads. And then you, ha- you have to realize after you see that, well, what they all have in common is me. And so if somebody out there is listening and they're relating to this, I just want you to know you can change your mind today and shift that pattern. It's just a matter of changing your mind. And also, being willing to embrace the lessons because the universe is going to keep sending you lessons until you learn and until you decide, no, I now have a big desire for much, much more. I want more. And until you reach that point where you have that big, what Abraham Hicks calls a big rocket of desire. Mm-hmm. And you realize, oh, okay, I needed all that contrast, all those patterns, all those spiritual two-by-fours in order to figure this out. Then you can forgive yourself. And that's the other thing I would recommend is, is once you get that awareness, you have to forgive yourself because you've probably been you know, chastising yourself. I should have known better. Why am I in this again? I'm so stupid. My man picker is bad. My girl picker is mad. My person picker is bad. Um, and release the shame of it. And, you know, I help people with that through uh, a lot of self-compassion work. Um, there's a yin and yang to self-compassion. You know, there's the yin part, which is the traditional you know, um, going to the spa and getting a massage and, you know, getting, you know, eight hours of sleep and, you know, pampering yourself or, you know, doing something that's more like being, being with yourself and being quiet and recharging. But then there's the fierce self-compassion, which most people that I work with really need. And if you have a, a negative pattern, you probably need the, the yang of self-compassion, which is about fierceness, being fiercely self-loving. And that's about setting boundaries, standing up for yourself. No, I want more. I am not going to settle for this kind of treatment from guys. Um, 
from women. I have plenty of male clients who come to me too. Mm -hmm. So that's how I would get started is notice the pattern, start the process of clarifying that you do want more. You're willing to make some changes and then start forgiving yourself. And that's the best place to start from. I love that you reference men because I do, obviously, because I'm a woman. So I'm going to speak from the perspective of a woman. And I don't want to be like, oh, men are this and men are that. But um, just because men are looking to better themselves and love too, I have two things that I want to talk about because you brought up yin and yang, which would be the feminine and masculine polarities or energies that are honestly one of my favorite topics. So when these people come to you, do you find the masculine in the overdrive and the feminine kind of hidden? Yes. Do you see them flip-flopped a lot? And obviously it's another thing where they're unconscious to that as well. Yes. So most of the time it's women doing it. Uh, Women are... Women, especially the achievers, um, they're used to being in masculine mode all day to have these great careers. And they carry it into their relationships. They never get out of that mode. Um, They're much more, because they've been rewarded for being in masculine mode all the time, um, they sometimes can see being in feminine mode as kind of... um, Gosh, there used to be a character, um, a, uh, a cartoon character named Penelope Pitstop, I think. She was always saying, help, help me, help. <laughs> you know, they kind of see <laughs> they kind of see it like when they're being in feminine mode, that it's like helpless, uh, rescue me, feminine mode. Like they're, they're, they, not that that's true by any stretch, but they're, they're carrying that. Um, some version of that, of that there's somehow it's being weak mm-hmm. of some kind. And um, usually it's because their mother, they didn't see their mother take their power. And so they're like, that's not going to happen to me. <laughs> and right. so, so they just like buck up almost and like put this invisible wall around them without realizing it. Yes. And so they're projecting. So it's like the diff. So what I try to explain to them, because these same women are convinced that guys want weak women. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not true. <laughs> but the thing that's in their way that they don't realize is that there's a difference between strong and intimidating. And the same women we were just talking about who are just trying to protect themselves really because of their trauma, mm-hmm. they're carrying this, they're projecting a lot of defensiveness that they are not aware of. Completely and, Yeah. And it's scaring the guys away because the guys are like, I don't know what's coming at me right now, but this does not feel good. And, and guys, you know, some of what I do is helping women to see guys for who they really are and not as this social patriarchal construct that mm-hmm. is just really unfair because there are a lot of guys, like my husband's a perfect example he is not a fan of the patriarchy. You know, he didn't do well as a man who was into classical music and theater um, instead of sports. You know, he was a fitness, he was fit, but he was just not into, he said, I can't stand sports. But he was not rewarded for that. And then as he progressed in corporate America, you know, if he didn't play golf, he couldn't get the promotion. And he's like, I can't stand those golf guys. I don't want to be around those guys. So there's a lot of men who unfortunately 
did not do not feel like they're a part of this patriarchy and they want they just want a partner and people are yearning for more balance not to cut you off though because you're bringing up really good points but i think just obviously with the new paradigm shift that's going on everywhere like i think people are really looking for an understanding of masculine and feminine but also a balance in both like it's not like yes you go provide and you cook the dinner it's not like that anymore it's not possible right no and i agree 100 percent. and and that's what so it's also generational right so the women who come to me who are over 50 are still carrying a lot of that defensiveness around if i get with a guy, he's going to want me to be the the nurse, the purse, the maid, the boss, all these things that are really not true. And then I found the younger women, they're dealing with different kinds of um, limiting beliefs. But you're right. What I'm trying to do is help people to see when they're dating is to let these beliefs go mm-hmm. and really deal with the person in front of you who is a, a combination of masculine and feminine and or isn't your father or your mother is not <laughs> i think that should they're be not said the, right there. it's not the evil boss or the narcissist you dated or what have you or mm-hmm. you know anyway it's just i help people and and then men are carrying their own wounds around women too like believing that no woman wants a nice guy that's a very firm popular belief that's hurtful to them Mm -hmm. and I have to explain they do they do want a nice guy but they want a nice guy who is confident in himself yes I think Hollywood has honestly done a really good job of like making that the comical narrative though wouldn't you agree like it's just like nice guys finish last um the friend zone for certain guys and then other like jockey hot charismatic confident guys it's just like oh i could never be that guy and it's really i mean it's like rom-coms drilled into your head since you were a kid that's kind of what i think about it in some aspect too um yeah yeah i definitely am not a big i used to love rom-coms but now as a dating coach i realize how damaging they are I love that you said that as a dating coach, that rom-coms are damaging because it's almost like saying how damn, how damaging the fairy tale aspect of Disney is where, you know, a woman is like a fawn in the forest, a guy comes and saves her and then they lived happily ever after. Or for me, like I can also say that I struggled even in my earlier relationships where I was like, I don't want this guy to just think I'm taking over for his mom. And then as far as like the conditional route, I was like, well, if I do his laundry and cook for him, um, you know, like hopefully it gets me laid, you know, I just kind of thought about it. (laughs) Um, And luckily, like I've progressed out of that mindset, but like in my earlier dating, it's like, how do you keep, how do you keep somebody interested in you? Like when you're going through the motions and again, so young dating, I feel so bad for people because like we didn't have dating apps like that when I was, I mean, I guess we did, but I wasn't really a part of it. I was like Mm -hmm. super old school. And to say that I believe in soulmates, I don't, I believe in like energy and and attraction Mm -hmm. and vibration and frequency Mm -hmm. and karma and soul contracts so like yes i believe in soulmates but i also just think everybody's put in our life for a reason 
So even, <laughs> you know, when, oh, I remember my next question, not to cut myself off, but I don't want to just center this conversation completely around women, even though I like speaking from my direct experience as being a woman in the dating world. But I do know that there is a rise in men coming into a more positive masculinity and breaking away from the generational trauma of the rugged. I don't have to show emotion. I don't have to tap into my feminine. So do you want to talk to us about Mm -hmm. one, what men come to you for and what their perception of the female collective is, and then how we can also help them overcome the pitfalls of dating? That's wonderful. I'm glad that you asked it that way, because that's what I was trying to say before. And you said it better, I think, is I'm just trying to help people to really have more compassion for each other and not see each other as a representation of what's bad about our society, you know? Yeah. And well, with men, I would say most of the men who come to me uh, lack confidence. They really lack confidence. They're really nice men. They have a lot to offer, but they're being rejected by women pretty brutally, and they, they really believe that women don't want a strong, like a, a, a nice guy. They just want the dangerous guy. And, um, and I explained to them, like, there's a phase in a woman's life where the guy in the leather jacket and the motorcycle, for some women, may be really turned on by that dangerous guy, the guy with the dangerous Zazazu energy. Zazazu, and I love it. And it's a rite of passage, you know. It's mm-hmm. the guy you get your groove back on with. But he's also the guy that tends to traumatize you. And so women over time realize that, um, and I think men go through this too, by the way, but, you know, some of the people you maybe have the most exciting sex with are not the people who make you feel safe or supported or loved. Very true. Um, Very true. And so women, as they get older and they start to feel like they get, they get to know themselves better and what they want, tend to want a, a guy who's nice. But there's also pressure on women to go for the the tall guy and the strong guy and what have you. And so I have to help women think about just on, and I will get back to men in a second. Go ahead. Yep, I have, I'm right I have here to help you. women t- to see <laughs> that when you're picking a guy, I want you to, and of course I treat LGBTQ plus, but just for the sake of this argument here, if a woman is, is picking a man, I just have to help her sometimes get out of her own way and not pick what people say she should pick mm-hmm. and pick not with the priority of physical attraction, which is usually what people are eating with. Instead, pick the energy of friendship. The whole thing about the friendship zone is such BS. We could talk a whole day about that. Mm-hmm. Pick the guy who feels safe, feels calm, feels um, like he really likes you as you are and accepts you as you are. And I have to help them get over. And then too, the concept of, well, it's not going to be exciting. We're not going to have great sex if, if it's going to be boring. And I said, when you are completely yourself, you're not sucking in your stomach. You're not pretending to be somebody else to please someone else. The sex is incredible. It can be really incredible because you're not, you can just let go. So with men, as I'm trying to help women 
through with this. I'm also helping men with the same thing, picking according to their needs and compatibility and that feeling of really being supported and accepted for who they are because men are trained to look for, you know, the, the model, the, the woman who is, you know, very, very attractive. And, um, I had a client who was, you know, a stereotypical, he called himself, I'm the stereotypical computer nerd. And he was fixated on, um, like somebody who was extremely attractive, like a model. And I said, well, what if a soulmate came along who was just average looking, but she looked at you like you were the greatest thing since sliced bread. (laughs) And he said, he stopped for a second. He said, well, I, wow, I didn't think about that. Well, I think I feel like I won the lottery. Wow. And so I try to just help people to tune out of what is society, what do, not to pick from a place of what makes me look better, what's better on paper, but what will make me feel better, what will make me feel seen, loved, supported, elevated. And it's usually quite different from what society, media, movies, rom-coms tell you you should go for. And um, with men, I work a lot on confidence because uh, usually um, they're not approaching women in a confident way, and so women are slamming them. (laughs) So I help them to see that it's not about arrogance or strutting. It's really about being comfortable in your skin and really projecting that that you so a woman feels like she doesn't have to protect you on a date because that's the kiss of death when a woman feels like she has to nurture and take care of you on a date because you're not confident she starts to feel a little bit like a mother child energy again stepping into that you know mother cord role in a sense which I know mm-hmm. I've heard people have struggled with when they transition from boyfriend, girlfriend to knowing each other, fiance, husband, and wife. And then when the woman takes on the mother role, they're just like, I'm, I'm having trouble, you know, fantasizing about you this way because I see you in such a nurturing role. And I think it triggers something of their own mother in their head. And they're like, I can't do that to you. You're a mother, you know, and that's like a whole other level of growth and learning in a relationship. Totally. Mm-mm-mm. So what advice do you have um, for men as far mm-hmm. as really coming in? I, I assume it's the same, you know, for whatever you identify as. It's just really redirecting it back to you, finding what is in common, and honestly, like, continue to work on yourself is what I'm getting yep. from it. It's remarkably similar, um, what they need to do, but the limiting beliefs are a little bit different. And usually with guys, it's, it's becoming more comfortable with their feminine self and realizing that the feminine side of themselves and to realize that because society usually kind of, um, shames them for that, to realize this is something to actually not you know, not to shame yourself for, to actually take your power back and really celebrate that that is one of the things that's really delicious about you, that you're unique 
and that you're a balance between masculine and feminine and you know that relationships these days are not about well the man does this and the woman does this <laughs> you know those days are are truly over it's really about in the best of relationships who does this best let them do that who does that best let them do that this is a partnership it's a it's a coming together of energies and intentions and so with men um i help them come over the same things it's like are you picking women based on i like her photo <laughs> i think she's hot i think she's, she's attractive yeah she'll be great i'm Aren't not Andy. do you think hold on because this just popped yeah. up on mine when you said this Obviously, with the guys wanting to attract, like, the arm candy type and then the woman, on the other hand, trying to find all the guys from, like, Muscle Magazine cover, um, do you think there's something in both collectives where if you find an extremely attractive partner to yourself but also a partner that's attractive to other people, that it'll, like, amplify the way that people look at you as far as, oh, I can attract this partner? Like, it's almost like a dig at your self-love because... You're going out and they're like, oh my gosh, your husband is so beautiful. Your wife is so beautiful. How'd you get that person? (laughs) And it's almost like, yeah, you know, this cocky, arrogant aspect of you where you're just like, yeah, this is my husband or my wife. And like, yes, you're attracted to them, but it, it feeds your ego that you attracted somebody like that, even if you're emotionally incompatible. You know, you have really no idea how to connect, but it's still feeding an ego in a sense to look for someone that's only attractive. 100%. And I have to approach that with kid gloves when I'm dealing with this because it's very clear and it's women and men both do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that women will say, well, men are very visual. I said, well, women do it too. Let's Mm -hmm. be fair. I've seen it over and over again. They're picking the guy who looks really good on paper um, in different ways. Um, With men, I have to help them see because usually the most resistance for them is they really are clinging to um, a certain type of woman they think they should be with physically Mm -hmm. um, in terms of physical attractiveness. But usually the men that I'm working with have some insecurity going on. Um, they're not a hundred percent confident in themselves. And so it's with some questioning, it's clear to me that there's some part of the reason they want a woman like that is to feel better about themselves. And my job is to help them feel better in themselves without securing that fish, you know, Mm -hmm. to feel better about themselves and confident and comfortable enough in their skin so that, their priority in a partner is different and they pick somebody who's much better for them because when they're pursuing, you know, like for example, using the computer nerd guy as an example, I said, what do you think would be, what do you think you would be happy with a woman like that? Like this, this model he's looking for this model who is probably on a yacht with a chic, you know, and, I said, is this somebody you think could make you happy? What are the qualities that would make you happy? Besides the attractiveness, what else? And that's where they get stuck. They're like, well, I don't know (laughs) what else. Um, And so I said, well, let's talk about the what else, because the what else is what's going to help you after the 18 months of physical, that physical excitement that we have when we're first with somebody, that lasts 18 months. So I said, what else is going to be there afterwards? 
and then what we usually come to is that they want a woman who is going to be really appreciative of what they provide, whatever that is, um, who respects them, who supports them, comforts them, um, and is a partner in return. And it, what's so sad to me sometimes is that everybody wants the same thing. They really do. Once you help them get past a lot of this noise and you really drill down to the soul level, they all want the same thing, but they're just carrying these delusions about each other. Whether it's the straight or the gay community, it's the same thing. And it's so sad to me because I see, I talk to everyone and I see they're all asking for the same thing and I have to help them figure out how to first give it to themselves so that they can attract somebody who's a much better caliber person who's also confident in themselves and also fully realizes a human being. Hopefully that makes sense. Yes, no, I think it's beautiful. I want to steer off into the free quiz that people can also take, and then I want to do a couple bulletin points on your book. So when I was looking through your book, I saw that you included not only bulletin points, I'm a bulletin point reader. I think that's amazing to, you know, not get sucked in or almost disassociate when you get overwhelmed by like a paragraph on a page. But you also have worksheets in there too for people to start doing that internal work on themselves. Do you want to talk to yes. me about both of those? Yes. So uh, thank you for noticing that, by the way. I really, that was something I was trying to do. I was trying to say, okay, if I, if somebody wasn't able to coach with me for whatever reason, how can I help them from afar? And so I put in, in the book the different steps that I use to help clients release their resistance which is the limiting, you know, which are the limiting beliefs, lack of forgiveness, you know, any ways that they're living their lives not in their full power. And I help them through these exercises figure out what are those things. And not to really drag up the past too much, but just to get grab the learnings and then move forward. And that's what the exercises are there to do. Because sometimes people just read. And if you don't have a coach with you pushing you to do the exercises, at least there's something there in the book to help you progress and go through the steps. And I even include like how to write a dating profile that's a lot more authentic and clear because most people's dating profiles are super vague, super boring. Right. And just like with, you know, just with selfies that are just not, not really communicating who you are and what you're looking for. So that's really what it's about is to help them walk through all of those steps. I love that even when you were like, even if you don't decide to work with me, I still want to help you find love. And mm -hmm. I think that shows like how much you're tapped into unconditional love at this point and understanding <laughs> you know, the almost like the magic and the collective and just we all really do want the same thing at the end of the day. We want a really good partner to come home and hear us and see us. And, you know, one of the things that I didn't realize I wanted in my earlier relationships was someone to support my creative side. And I had mm. shoved that down in myself for so long that it was almost like a secret, like, it was a kink for me. I was like, oh, what it would be like if I could be creative and show my significant other my art and they would support me. And I would be like, hey, 
you know, I'm going to go start this business. I'm going to go do the show. I'm going to, you know, do this project. And they would just be like, yeah, you are, you're, you know, and it had been <laughs> in me for so long that even after, you know, my marriage had started, like literally when my marriage, so backtrack, too many things are hitting my head at one time. My spiritual <laughs> awakening anniversary is two weeks before my wedding anniversary. So like April, wow. yeah, April 14th, like I'm like, hey, you, so glad you're here. <laughs> and then like two weeks later, essentially two Love weeks that. later, I'm like, hey, honey, happy anniversary. You know, and we kind of like retrospect on how far we've come in the years we've been. Um, so there was a big part of my relationship before I even got engaged and even to being married that this version of myself that I am today was not the girl that my husband proposed to. And mm -hmm. I, I knew that already. And um, I was already like extremely joking about like Landon wanting to marry me. I was like, are you sure? Like we should take some time, you know, like I try not to hide my crazy. I really do just like put it on the front porch and give it a glass of wine. But like, there are some other things that I think we should really see if we're kind of compatible. And yeah. he was just like, no, I know it. it. You're the one. It's it. Like you're mine, you know? So I was like, okay, well, you know, I want to be with you too. I love you. So we kind of just went on like this whimsical little, little adventure together. And then, you know, like I had my awakening is what I would like to call it. And, um, I had to go to him and be like, okay, so the girl you proposed to is like kind of dead. I don't mean like dead, dead. I just, she's kind of, she's kind of gone. I'm like, this is who I'm really supposed to be. I'm finding myself again. This is going to be kind of weird because I'm going to do things that you have zero belief in. And, you know, you can support me. You cannot support me. But like, if you don't want to go down this path with me, I'm like, I'm giving you an out right now. And, you know, whether he said yes, because everything was already paid for and was like, I'm here for the ride, or he truly did love me and wanted to see the evolution. We're here five years later and we're laughing hysterically at the things that we have been through in the last five years together that some are like, you know, there's distance, there's some trauma involved with obviously someone that wants to sit and sage themselves and ohm and like find the shadow side and like love the inner child, you know, all of these yeah. things, you know, and then like, no, the dishes didn't get done that day. I was talking to my nine-year-old self, you know, that comes a lot, but at the end of the day, <laughs> My authenticity, like I've always just wanted a partner to create with and to even support me in my creations instead of feeling like it was going to rip me into two different people if I honored the part of myself that I knew was going to channel my shadow and light side properly, but also give me the opportunity to grow mm -hmm. into love and domestication and motherhood yeah. in a safe environment. I love every sentence of that story I really do because that's really what authenticity is about and also what I was also hearing was you would have been okay if you would have been hurt if he had chosen something else right oh, if he had sure. chosen the out but you were I, I could feel that part of you what that would have been knew that you would have been okay because at the end of the day, you have to be yourself, and this is who you are now. And that's really what I want people to get to and what my clients tell me. So when they manifest their partner, they realize, okay, the greatest gift of doing this work wasn't manifesting the partner. 
it was becoming so much more clear about who I am, what I want and being a better friend to myself. That's going to take me beyond like, because we can't predict how long these relationships last. Some people are soulmates and they last a, a week, a year and some last forever. Mm-hmm. So we, at the end of the day, we have to really love ourselves as much as people don't always want to hear that. But that's that delicious space you were talking about. I just loved, I loved that story. And I, and I think part of the reason you probably chose you not only was for love, but also just how authentic and honest you were about who you were. He didn't have to guess with you about what you were going through. He knew exactly, you were very clear, this is what it's going to be like now. And then he made a choice. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. I just thought that was pretty remarkable. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a crazy, crazy ride. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. It's been insane. We've come out on on the other side better. And I, I mean, like we're both healthier, healthier. We've both learned more. Um, we obviously still have our disagreements or like our triggers and our push buttons. I'm not healed. I'm healing. Right. And so is it's he, normal. but, um, yeah, we've been able to provide each other like a safe space, like the way that he's been able to step up as the provider while I'm figuring out the mother role. And obviously, this business and the other things that I do. Um, like I realized he was one of the biggest inspirations for the safe space in general, because I mm-hmm. had never been anywhere where I had that much time to breathe and sit with myself. You know, I, I'd always have like little chunks and then, you know, you can feel the energy when you're in that flow state almost. And you're like, yes, this is who I am. This is who I want to be. And then yeah. the alarm goes off and you're mask back on, got to go. And I had done that so many times in my life that I was just like, for five years, my whole life fell apart right before my wedding. Like my quote life, my weird identity. And for five years, I have been able to explore and work and pick things up and go, oh, I like this part. I like this part. Okay, well, I'm going to put this down now and I'm done with this versus feeling like I'm stuck in a role and I'm stuck in things that I don't want to be in. And then I can go to this sweet, sweet man who's, I'm like, guess what I did today? (laughs) You know, and we kind of laugh at it. It's just, it's a really, really great relationship. Yeah. I mean, it sounds definitely like that. And I think one of the things I help people to understand is that just because you meet one of your soulmates and you happen to marry one of your soulmates, and I think we have many, Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't mean it's going to be like they say in a rom-com or in a Harlequin. I don't even know if they still make Harlequins, but romance novels is still, it's like going off into the sunset and it's not supposed to be that way. There's still supposed to be contrast. It's just Mm -hmm. that somebody who's meant to be with you long-term loves you so much and is so willing to be there on the road with you that they're willing to work through the contrast and both benefit and elevate each other through it. Like when I got married, um, Todd was in um, biotechnology in Silicon Valley and I was a publicist, (laughs) right? Um, And now I'm a soulmate coach and now he's an artist. That's amazing. It's like you brought those sides of each other out when you met. I love that. Mm -hmm. And, And like you, there's always, there's, when we're we're continuing to heal ourselves 
But I'll say this, that by sticking together and working through those things, all those, all that contrast that came up when we were first together, mm-hmm. our relationship has gotten so much more peaceful and supportive it just really does evolve over time and I think part of it is because we've helped each other feel safe to be authentic mm-hmm. that's really the bottom line and that's why we're in a safe space with Cheyenne today yes <laughs> yes and I'm so glad you've joined us before we get out of here can you please tell everyone where to find you awesome so they can find me on my website which is my or you can find me on Facebook or Instagram, and it's at my soulmate coach. And on my website, there's information about my book, and there's information about a free quiz. Uh, it's called Discover Your Biggest Love Block, and it's one of the biggest. Uh, it will tell you what the biggest piece of resistance that's in a way for you specifically of attracting the right partner and then there's an invitation afterwards if you feel called to to have a free no pressure call with me i would love a free no pressure call with you but but i've really really enjoyed this conversation however for all of my friends that are listening if you would just like a little help in that little hard space area I highly encourage you reach out to Jean. I've had a wonderful time talking about you, talking to you about your book, all of the things. <laughs> I wish you all the best of luck and Same here. abundance, 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 right? Same for you, sister. I see it happening for you. I really appreciate it. And hey, if you ever want to come back on and teach or write another book, you're always welcome back in the safe space. I'd love that. I love it too. Hey friends, before we get out of here, I have a special track for you. It's from my friends Nightcap. They are again from Austin, Texas. You got to go check them out. I'm going to bring you a track today called Love Plane. I will see you all in the next episode. I love you very much. Oh, that's my